Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Wednesday, October 5th, 2016, and today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, A Vision for You, and we are going to be reading from the bottom of page 153, through one, um, we're going to start with, yeah, 153, and we're going to read three paragraphs with the first reading. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Lauren N., The 12 Traditions, Naomi B., and our text readers are, text readers are Katie G., Larry K., and Sarah W., and our newcomer greeter will be Lisa H. And the share ID for yesterday, Tuesday, October 4th, 2016, is 9142. 9142. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Lauren N. to read the 12 steps for us. Hi, this is Lauren N. with a cold from Westchester, New York. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have the God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends with to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and for the power to carry that out. 
12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry these, this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you, Lauren N. And I will now ask Naomi B. to read the 12 traditions for us. Thank you, Monica. Good morning. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted service. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Excuse me. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issue, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature that we are discussing. And that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute your phone. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are in the chapter of Vision for You. We are going to be starting on page 153, the last paragraph. And three paragraphs will be read. The first one will be for context only, and we will take contents on paragraph two and three. And with that, I'm going to ask Katie G. to read for us. Hello, Monica T. May I be heard? You may. All right. Hey, guys. Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic, Boston, Mass. 
Years ago, in 1935, one of our number made a journey to a certain western city. From a business standpoint, his trip came off badly. Had he been successful in his enterprise, he would have been set on his feet financially, which at the time seemed vitally important. But his venture wound up in a lawsuit and bogged him down completely. The proceeding was shot through with much hard feeling and controversy. Bitterly discouraged, he found himself in a strange place, discredited and almost broke. Still physically weak and sober, but a few months, he saw that his predicament was dangerous. He wanted so much to talk with someone, but with whom? One dismal afternoon, he paced a hotel lobby, wondering how his bill was to be paid. At one end of the room stood a glass-covered directory of local churches. Down the lobby, a door opened into an attractive bar. He could see the gay crowd inside. In there, he would find companionship and release. Unless he took some drinks, he might not have the courage to scrape an acquaintance and would have a lonely weekend. All right, let me get my timer, Monica T. Recovered, Katie Gia, compulsive reader, anorexic and bulimic. A couple things I saw, really grateful to be absent and to have a way of life today. So um, he found himself in a strange place, right? Like I'm abstinent, but I don't have a God, right? And and all of a sudden, um, this ha- I mean, this happened to me a lot. Like I got fired from jobs. I was abstinent, but I hadn't yet done the step work. And um, feeling weak, right? Like, and um, this reminds me that ever since I was a little girl, for me, I I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. And I had this, like, emptiness inside, and I always wanted to connect with others. Um, And in this story, I I relate to that. Like, my predicament is dangerous. Like, what am I going to do? Like, if I don't fill up with food, exercise, and bulimia, like, I'm not going to be okay, right? So, So I'm pacing my hotel lobby, right? Like I'm looking for connection and I see this gay crowd. And and what is the delusion? The delusion for me is that something outside myself, like that little girl, I've always wanted to fit in, right? Like I thought that if I could just, you know, get this friend that somehow like the gay crowd of people, like I remember I used to imagine my neighbor, Libby, that I could that I could chew like her, that if I could just chew like her, the calories wouldn't count and I would fit in and I would be okay. And I love it, right? Like he says, unless I take some bites, I'm not going to have the courage. You know, and for me, I used other substances that aren't relevant to get the courage to be with other people. Food just kind of numbed me out. And um. And that what this reminds me that I love is that I cannot eat on the truth, right? Like I can't eat on the truth. Like if I look at the truth, for me to pick up the food um, is is going to lead me, if I look at the truth, it's going to lead me down a hole where I may not come back up on. But this like delusional thinking, like I look inside, I look at the candy bar or I look at the gym and I'm like, Oh, maybe I can just be part of that that gay crowd, that cool, sexy, exercising crowd, and then I'll fit in and be okay, right? I'm on that edge, that razor's edge, where my thinking 
starts getting delusional. I have false psychotic beliefs. I believe the lie that this time it's going to be different, right? And I am on that edge because I haven't recovered yet, because I don't have a God interfering yet, and I don't know how to handle myself, um, you know, without this God. And so it's just I, I've been here, and the amazing part is with the steps, with entire abstinence and a commitment to the integrity and structure of my program, including my daily step work, you know, this doesn't have to become me. I don't have to look for other people, places, and things to fill me up and, and to commit homicide, suicide that is food addiction for me. And uh, grateful to be here on the line and to have a solution today and to be doing it with you guys one more day these 24 hours and without a cost. Thank you, Katie G. Okay, we're going to open this up and who would like to share? We're going to share on the on paragraph one and paragraph two on page 154. Chris, Good morning, this is Bella. Can I share? Bella, gotcha. And I think I heard, was it Chrissy? Chris G. Chris G. Okay. Rachel right. W. Rachel. Shannon F. Shannon S or F? You'll tell me later. Okay. Melissa Frank. Melissa, and I heard somebody else with Melissa. Lindsay. Lindsay? Wayne C. Wayne. Oh, Wayne. <laughs> Sorry, uh, ears are hey, that's okay. Man. I like the name Lindsay. Okay. Lindsay out of Wayne C. Whoa. <laughs> okay, anybody else? <laughs> Amanda R. Amanda. Okay, this is what I've got. Chris G, Bella G, Rachel W, Shannon S or F, Melissa C, Wayne C, and Amanda R. So, Chris, you're up, and then it'll be Bella. Good morning, everybody. This is Chris G. Thanks for the opportunity to share. I'm recovering in Connecticut. Um, this These paragraphs just reminded me of the uncountable amount of times that I faced this moment while in the disease. Every time I said I wasn't going to pick up again, I would pick up again. And I would, and I would say, there's other things I can do, you know, but this disease is cunning and baffling. It was not until I put down the food and it was not until I found this fellowship that I was had enough in me to press the pause button and to really think it through. And I'm just so grateful for that today because um, those voices in my head that led me to uh, going to the food are quieted. They're in the background, they're background noise now. And I am just so grateful that I can press pause, I can think it through, and I can choose to reach out to to one of my fellows rather than um, make the old decisions that I used to make, or maybe I wasn't even making decisions because uh, my mind was just so out of control. So thank you all, and I, I wish us a blessed day. I pass. Thank you, Chris G. And Bella G., it's your turn, and then it will be Rachel W. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G., and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Bitterly discouraged, he found himself in a strange place, discredited and almost broke. Yes, it sounds very familiar. Before the program, yes, even though when I was doing diet, I was 
you know, many times I was in a strange place and where I was connected with my ego. So I was lonely and alone. And, you know, the food was in my mind. I always felt, wow, if only I would have now food, if only I can eat now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. And I am today in a wonderful program that I live the 12 steps one day at a time, and I am connected to a loving, accepting power. And yes, even though I am connected to a loving power, and even though I live the 12 steps, yes, you know, I am still not perfect. And life is not perfect. I have my challenges in life. But thank you, God, I am not lonely and alone. And yes, sometimes I am discouraged, but I am not alone. I don't feel strange because I am connected to a loving and accepting power. And I always have the 12 steps with me, wonderful tools that, you know, that give me the courage to go, you know, to understand, but not to stay there in my loneliness and, my, and in a strange place. You know, I, I move on, I feel, I let myself feel the feeling, but, you know, I am connected to a loving, accepting power that accepts me the way I am, and I am never alone. Today, the food for me is not a solution. It's not a place that I am running to. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. And Rachel W., you're up, and then it'll be Shannon. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everyone. This is Rachel W., Recover Compulsive, over are calling from New York. And um, what's speaking to me in these paragraphs is the idea of fellowship, you know, because at one point, he, he, you know, I, I see, I see him standing at a crossroads, you know, Bill standing at a crossroads here of, of the decision that all of us have to make. If you're on this line, then you've been here before, you know, this is the, 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 the point, the power of, of the point where power is right. Where, what choice should I make? And, and he wants to speak with someone, you know, and, and in the next paragraph, he sees that, um, there's a gay crowd and he's thinking that in there he's going to find companionship and release. And what I see here are the two clear choices. You know, one choice would lead him towards a fellowship that can save his life. And the other, you know, um, choice is, is towards people who, you know, will give him a great time and will just lead him to, to where he wants to go, you know, in that way. And, um, there's a saying that whatever way uh, a person wants to go, God will lead him there, meaning that we have, it all depends on our action. You know, to me, what also is screaming out besides fellowship is action. You know, the actions that we have to take, the external, you know, even though in our minds we might be having this challenge, I might be having a challenge, you know, in my head, like, you know, what, what should I do? But I, it never fails when I take the action of picking up a meditation book, of calling someone else. It takes me out of myself. It takes me out of this disease. Um, and to me, this, 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 these paragraphs, this is step two, you know, coming to believe that a higher power can restore me to sanity. Um, in this case, the higher power is another fellow. You know, he wants to talk to someone. And I know for myself that 
when I'm in these situations where I have that agitation and it may not necessarily be a food thought, but maybe it sometimes will, but you know, it may not be a food thought, but it might just be the agitation of my feelings getting out of alignment or my feeling, you know, out of alignment. I know now that these are not meant to drive me insane. <laughs> Those moments are teachable opportunities. Those moments are where, you know, it's like, it's like something, you know, the universe orchestrated events. So I would be standing in conflict because that's where the growth is. That's where, that's where, um, you know, I, I'm going to get the courage and the power to continue doing this program. And, um, and I want to end off something that um, I've been hearing, I've been thinking about a lot lately is the idea of the choices that we make that when I, it's like a tree, it's like a tree that has a dead branch. And if I make the choice to do the right thing, to call the right friend, you know, who will keep me aligned in this process, I'm going to end with this, um, who will keep me aligned in this process. It's, it's, it's like I cut off that branch. I don't feed the branch that's killing the tree or the vine. You know, I cut it away. And when I do that, I allow a burst of vibrant nutrients to come into the tree, you know, into my relationship with my higher power. And um, it just makes every decision moving forward so much easier to make in the right way, in the way that will be the most productive. So thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Rachel W. And Shannon, it's your turn, and then it'll be Melissa C. Is it Shannon F or F? <clears throat> Hi, guys. Shannon from Duluth, Minnesota here. Um, Shannon F is in fun. Um, so I'm a person, when I listen into the meetings, I love specific real-life examples. And so I've got one here for you. Um, this was a huge pivotal point um, in recovery while trying to live in 10, 11, and 12. So um, <clears throat> I'm at this convention for my business, right? And um, they launched this huge product um, that is pretty much got my, my binge substances in it. But it's the protein drinks that only have so many X amount of grams of sugar and you can do it and everybody is feeling gay and happy. And, you know, it's like the down the lobby door, there's just that attractive bar. The whole convention is this attractive bar where everybody's getting well and feeling healthy. And the reality was, the compul- thank God I've had enough relapse for me to see that, like, Shannon, if you go back to this stuff, you're taking control, and um, op- you're opening the door to relapse. So w- I'm in this, like, dichotomy or this kind of um, this debacle right now where part of my brain is saying, God, don't you want to wish you could have been with the rest of these people drinking and enjoying this stuff? And the other part of me is like, Shannon, wake up and smell the coffee grounds here. Okay, you're a compulsive overeater. It's not worth it. This back and forth dialogue is going. So what did I do? So first off, step one, I'm powerless over this back and forth um, argument going on in my head um, because I can't get it to stop. So step two, um, turning my belief back to God that God will restore me to sanity. Step three, turn my life over, then work the inventory process on it. I made a call to somebody, mentioned all the drama that's happening, and it's to where I was I being selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and fearful. And then um, we get into step 12, after step 11, duh. Um, But what happened to me is I remembered the specific part of the book where um, you need to call a person that is struggling to get out of yourself. So um, 
my my brain is starting to think, okay, Shannon, who in your little phone booth, aka your iPhone, is struggling right now? Who it, who is not just a person that's doing okay in recovery? Like, who is a person that is um, trying to get out of relapse? And my God puts a specific person in my brain. I called them up and said, how are you doing today? How can I be of service? And the way this person talked about struggling um, helped everything click in my brain um, so that I could get down to the heart. It was it was just like a 180 turn. And I was so grateful that I knew that this part of the book it and I stored it in my brain enough to the point of finding out where there's a solution and how to take immediate action. Because man, that you know, that desire to be part of a social crowd was so elusive and it was so tempting that I knew I couldn't control it and I knew I had to get into the fellowship and the steps to get me into reality because it's and I passed. Thanks. Thank you, Shannon F. Isn't for fun? Melissa C, you're up, and then it'll be Wayne C. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, a couple of things jump into my mind when um, I read this. One is that, um, you know, for, for normal people who are feeling a little socially awkward, um, having a drink or having some food at the buffet works. You know, it, it, it's effective for people who don't have what I have, which is, you know, why it seems like um, parties and um, social gatherings, you know, happen around bars and buffets because it does relax people. It does open people up. It does make them feel more socially comfortable. But the problem is I'm not a normal eater. I'm not a normal person. And so it doesn't do that for me. That's you know, that's the lie of my disease, telling me, yeah, you'll feel comfortable, um, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll uh, loosen up, you'll make some connections, you'll, you know, um, it'll be social, but it doesn't stay that way. You know, that's, that's a bite of it. And then, you know, my reality is that I want everyone in that room to kind of disappear and just give me the substance. You know, because the substance becomes far more important than the than the fellowship, you know, or the human connection that I crave. You know, that's the nature of my disease. And so, um, you know, when I when I think about this part where he's sort of um, looking at the bar, you know, wanting to be to be to belong, you know, to be to fit in, um, and the food is, you know, the alcohol is lawing him in. Um, and then, you know, across the lobby is this glass uh, case with phone numbers with, with a real promise of a real human connection, you know. And so I know for myself when I go into a gathering and I'm really focused on my discomfort or my need to get comfortable, um, I am as selfish as can be and, and I'm really close to picking up the food. But if I'm going into a social setting not focused on myself, but focused on other people there. And yeah, with, with the mindset of who can I serve today? Who can I have a true connection with today? Um, then I am filled up with companionship and connection. And, you know, and, and that, that's as close as I can be to God. 
You know, um, the fluid is the exact opposite of that. You know, that's my lowest weakness. It's the lie that tells me that it's okay to pick up. Um, but the solution for me is always connecting with real people. And uh, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Wayne C., it's your turn. And then it'll be Amanda R. Star one to unmute, Wayne. We can't hear you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, of course, uh, the iPhone, right, it, it fights you just when you need to hit the worst. But um, um, thank you. Thank you, uh, everyone. And uh, just want to surrender my, my ego and my desire to try and sound more intelligent than I actually am. Uh, and that's a problem for me. So... Um, it, it really it really blocked the steps from uh and, and learning uh from from good people like you you all here um so I was just too I knew too much uh for my own good but uh, I just wanna surrender. Yeah, it was um it was a good reading and you know, pretty new to vision and dare I say to uh, trying to learn the steps in a way that's meant and designed. But I, I think the, that reading for me tells me that the phone call that's sort of symbolic was it's amazing how almost 100 years later the phone is a lifeline for, for me. Uh, maybe, I don't know if Bill had done the steps yet, but I, maybe that was the first indicator of steps in action. And I think I need to learn how to do that because I'm, you know, I, I, that's the first sign of, of, of trouble, you know, in life, business, I've also tried some business ventures and whatever, and I crumble like a house of cards, you know, because I don't have that uh, connection with a higher power of my understanding where I can rely and take comfort, you know, I just more, and, and, and I reach out to my fellows after the fact, right, to, to, to complain about the damage and, oh, you would not believe what they did to me and they cornered me. <laughs> and so, you know, and we're one of the major reasons, or the only reason, or the big reason why I'm here is because I want to learn how to live those steps, how to bring that higher power into existence. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne C. Amanda R., it's your turn. Hi, sorry, it's me that I was attempting to find the right buttons on my phone. Um, so, yeah, um, I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. And um, I was looking at the part where it says he saw his predicament was dangerous. And I think a lot of times I like to be in denial about my predicament. Um, and I'm going through a kind of a well, it, it's honestly, it's a really difficult um, family situation right now. It's very painful. And um, I'll start feeling like, oh, my goodness, I just I just want to lie on the couch with a big warm blanket over me. And I don't want to make any of those those phone calls, those outreach calls. I, I don't really want to work step 12. Um, and this is the voice of my disease saying, take it easy. It's the self-pity creeping in. Um, you know, boy, life is life has been really rough on you today. Just 
just focus on yourself and, and give yourself what's comfortable and do do what feels good. And there's nothing wrong with doing what feels good as long as it isn't getting in the way of my steps. So um, I, you know, at that point, I have to honestly recognize, you know, my this is a dangerous predicament for me. I mean, I'm not thinking about the school yet, but it's surely not far behind because I'm getting very self-centered. So um, that's when I pull out the steps. I, you know, I do a 10-step, call somebody and honestly say, um, you know, this is, this is my, these are my character defects. And um, and also to really to really pray about what's going on to be in touch with my higher power, and um, I think at that point the worst thing I can do is is say oh it's it's not too serious I'll I'll just muddle on words and you know I don't really have time for a ten step I can I can deal with this this isn't so bad but to be honest that yes my my predicament here is a real problem and um, the only way I know to get out of predicaments like this without you know starting um, the compulsive eating again is to use these steps so yeah just to be honest and that's all I have to say I pass thank you Amanda R and would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs before we move on Reva P Reva Nessa R. Nessa. Anybody else? Okay, we'll go with that. Reva P., you're up, and then it'll be Nessa. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I'm just giving my timer. Um, what I relate to in these paragraphs is here we have Bill who, what I understand, has already um, had a spiritual awakening. And what I have written in my book is that he's six months sober at this time. So he's already um, technically worked through the steps, had his spiritual awakening. And here he's coming to a place in his life where things are not going his way. He's bitterly discouraged. He's really upset. The financial stuff was really vitally important, and it just didn't go his way. So what do I do? After working the first nine steps, um, or all the steps, and then something doesn't go my way. Well, Monday afternoon, things were not going my way at all, and I was bitterly upset and angry. And I know I can't afford justified anger because it will lead me right back um, to the food. So this is my choice. Once I have, um, informi- once I know about the steps, once I've done the work, um, what the promise says is I will have a sufficient substitute. Yes, and it is vastly more powerful and amazing than I could ever imagine. And that substitute was working steps 10, 11, 12, sharing with another fellow. And I can't tell you what a shift there was. Um, um, So much more peaceful, so much more able to go on with the day yesterday. It was just a miracle, just amazing. And that's life, and that's going to continue happening. I'm never finished. So what this program promises 
as opposed to abstinence only, is that I will have a substitute for when I get restless, irritable, discontent, angry, fearful. There are steps I can take so that I can open my channel, access my higher power, and I can be at ease and peace. So I don't need uh, my drug of choice. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Nessa R., it's your turn. Hi, good morning. Vision um, for you, this is Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, so this is uh, Bill um, Wilson at the uh, Mayflower Hotel in that, I guess, pivotal moment that I am so grateful for because without it, um, I know I wouldn't be here. And this reminds me of this, the, the, the decision that we all have to make every day, many, many times a day sometimes. Um, he, he, he knew he was powerless over alcohol. He was telling himself some lies, but also some truths. You know, he was looking for the conviviality. Um, he was telling he could just have a ginger ale or something like that. But he knew that he was powerless. And, you know, the... The uh, the big book doesn't promise that we're never going to be tempted. You know, uh, one of the promises uh, in page 84 is that that when when tempted or if tempted, we will recoil from it from a hot flame. So so we're not immune, but we just have a different coping mechanism. And um, it is so described so beautifully in uh, the bottom of page 25. This is one of my favorite paragraphs in the whole entire book. If you are a serious alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible. And if we had passed into the region from when there is no return to human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could. The other, to accept spiritual help. Um, and at the bottom there in the margin, I wrote down um, a note to myself. I die compulsively eating or I live with spiritual health. And this is the decision that Bill Wilson made that day, which not only enabled him to live with spiritual health, but it enabled so many countless others to do the same thing, myself included. And I need to remember this every day because every day I make many decisions, some of them seemingly unrelated to food, um, seemingly unimportant decisions that could drive me to the food. And this is a decision. Am I choosing food or am I choosing God? Because I have two higher powers. You know, both the food and God are much bigger than me, uh, but I can only serve one master. And the choice is mine. What is my choice to be? You know, is God going to be everything or is the food going to be everything? And I am so glad that Bill chose God because it enabled me to learn that I can do the same. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. And let's move on to the next paragraph. And Larry Kay, would you read for us, please? Sure, Monica. Thanks for your service. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Of course he couldn't drink. Mm. Yeah, there's more there. Uh, of course he couldn't drink, but why not sit, uh, hopefully at a table, a bottle of ginger ale before him? After all, had he not been sober six months now? Perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks, no more. Fear gripped him. He was on thin ice. 
Again, it was the old insidious insanity, that first drink. With a shiver, he turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. Music and gay chatter still floated to him from the bar. Okay, so, uh, you know, Bill was faced with a choice here. And, uh, you know, he, he knew that this choice came with some pretty high stakes. You know, as, a, as an alcoholic who had uh, nearly uh, drunk himself to death, um, you know, this guy endured uh, some hospital stays for detox. Uh, you know, um, and, and during his last visit, he had, he had hit bottom and, and cried out for divine mercy. You know, and, and, and at that moment, Bill, you know, he had this experience and, and um, you know, and he, and he was free from any, any need for alcohol at that point. You know, but there was no divine blaze in the lobby of the Mayfla- Mayflower Hotel in Akron, Ohio, you know. I mean, only uh, the dim lights of the bar, the lure of uh, alcohol. And so there he is pacing through the lobby, and and Bill had a choice to make in 1935. See, you and I have a choice to make in October 2016. See, we we can read these words, but it's, it's it's as pertinent now in October 2016 as it was then. See, Bill was willing to endure through a period of uncomfortability, right? There was the... uh, what, the, uh, the sugary dessert items, the salty, savory, crunchy stuff in the bar? What difference does it make? What difference does the substance make? He was willing in that moment to go through a period of uncomfortability, but it wasn't enough to make this choice in his head and his heart. So you and I have made that choice in our head and our heart many times, but he, Bill, like you and I, must make a choice in action. See, he chose to take a God-centered action rather than a self-centered action. And within minutes, you know, he was, uh, we'll learn, he was on the phone with the local minister. We'll read more about that. And, and eventually became, you know, got in touch with, with, with Dr. Bob through a series of events. Were they uh, random events? Uh, you, you believe what you want to believe. I, I get to believe what I want to believe. I don't think there was anything random about it, no more, more so random than, than we are here today. You know, but I, but I can identify in October 2016 as much as, um, as, as uh, you know, he was when he was going through this back then. And the thing about it is, is, again, he made that choice. He was willing to pay the price of going through uncomfortability. It wasn't a choice he just made in his head and his heart because I've made that choice like you have. And then I'm knee deep in pudding and Oreos and pizza because I haven't taken the action. Now, today we have 12 steps that we have to work through, which results, as it did for me, in the elimination, the removal of that obsession that drives me back, and so much more in the promises. But I had to work the steps through in sequence. But in that moment, that's what Bill did. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And someone is unmuted. We hear all kinds of scraping and noises carry on. Please, everyone, please check your phone and press star 1 to mute your phone. Okay. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph that Larry just read? Elaine D. Elaine. Leslie M. Leah M. I heard somebody else. Leslie? Yes. Leslie. Deborah M. Renee C. M. Renee. 
see. Okay, let's just go with that because we're going to be running out of time. All right, this is what I've got. I've got Elaine B. I've got Leah M. Leslie, I didn't catch your last initial. Deborah M. And Renee C. Elaine, you're up, and then it'll be Leah. Thanks for your service, Monica. This is Elaine B. Recovered and extraordinarily grateful in Massachusetts. As we, you know, we venture into the season of holidays like Halloween and Thanksgiving and, um, you know, just finished or Rosh Hashanah and other high holidays are happening right now. Just, you know, there's so much food and festivity with all of those. And for me, it makes me think of like romance movies. You know, you watch a movie for an hour and a half and you think, oh, how wonderful it could be, it would be. And you know what? It's fantasy. It's it's disease thinking for me about looking back at, you know, all the holidays, all the places, that congenial crowd laughing away in the other room when really all I want is the drink. Someone's coughing in the background. Yeah, excuse me. Um, there's somebody coughing. Please mute your phone. Okay, I'm sorry, Elaine. Go ahead. Oh, oh that's fine, Monica. Thank you. So, you know, I'm just thinking of the romance that I have with the food. The, the, this is the disease thinking. This is the obsession of the mind. The very cunning, baffling power nature of my disease that tells me, you know, that's that's my solution. That's what's going to make me feel better. Um, that's going to bring me the ease and comfort that I want when life isn't going right. And so, you know, before I came to Vision for You and, and was able to get recovered, thank you, God, and, and this program and this, this little chip of a book, um, there were three times that I lost my abstinence over, over a long period of time. And each one of those was in a party atmosphere at my family's house thinking, I can do it like them. I can figure out a way. It's going to be okay this time. And slam, there I am again, you know. So um, thank God we have an option. You know, the big book tells us that working with others is the bright spot of our day. And now that I've learned that, I didn't believe that at all in the beginning. I didn't even hear it for a while. And now I just so would rather, you know, have an opportunity to dig out what's wrong with me, get that poo off my shoe, do a 10-step, pick up the phone, resolutely turn my thoughts to someone I can help instead of wallowing in self-pity or wallowing in the problem and then, you know, going straight back to hell. Because I know if I went in there and I got one drink at the bar or <laughs> one Twinkie at the, off the table, in minutes, I'm not going to remember any of the congeniality in the room. I don't care who's in the room. All I want is, you know, Ben and Jerry and Sara Lee. I don't care about anybody else. When I picked up those food in those three times that, you know, I was there, everybody else in the room disappeared, and that's all I wanted to do all day long with EDD. With that, I passed. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine D. Leah M. It's your turn, and then it'll be Leslie. Thank you. He was on thin ice. Again, it was the old insidious insanity, that first drink. With a shiver, he turned away. I mean, from all appearances, Bill is in hot water here. In this example, um, a piece of history, um, you know, for the first time since Bill's spiritual awakening in Cairns Hospital, Bill is now humbled once again by the phantom of king alcohol because the disease is whispering in his ear. And, of course, 
he's bitter, he's discouraged, and he's alone because the business deal didn't go well as he was expecting it to. So he's so you know poor little uh, restless irritability and discontentment in the pot, and he's got a nasty brew, and he knows it. He's fearful he will drink. He is. Um, however, however, um, Bill has recovered. Bill has recovered, and he has been restored to sanity as a process, as a result of the process of these steps. And so, as a result of the process of the steps, he will feel a strength and a power that he did not know existed when he was trying to deal with alcoholism and his problems of life on his own. And so, as a result of being recovered, um, he is going to be able to turn towards. God-centeredness rather than selfishness. He can dismiss the thought. I mean, it's important to understand, all of us need to understand, myself included, that even though Bill Wilson had a spiritual awakening, a conversion experience, it didn't transform him into a superman. Um, He's still human. Uh, He never rises above being human. He's still subject of and subject to life. He's not cured of alcoholism. He's not with his spiritual pests. However, uh, however, in this moment, he is, with a shiver, he turns away. He is able to make a choice um, because he is now God-centered. He's going to go carry that message. He realizes that, uh, you know, carrying the message of recovery to other alcoholics has allowed him to stay sober during these six months, and he sets out to find a kindred soul. And just like it says in our text, after having worked steps 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, it says, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for, for by this time sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor, if tempted, which is exactly what's happening here for Bill. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. He's able to turn away from the disease. He's able to dismiss that thought. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's the promise of recovery. That is the promise of recovery. God has done for Bill W. what he could not do for himself. And with that, I pass things. Thank you, Leah M. And, Leslie, it's your turn, and then it'll be Deborah M. Hi, this is Leslie W. Um, I'm a recovering compulsive overeater in Tennessee. And um, I, I love this paragraph um, because... It kind of breaks it down in one simple paragraph about the thought process that Bill W. went through. And I also love what Larry shared about the fact that Bill W. is, is not, not a superhuman being. I mean, this is, this is what he had to do. This is what all of us have to do in order to recover. And um, the first part where, where it says, of course, he couldn't drink, you know, to me, that's, that's his self-knowledge. That's, that's, okay, of course not, you know, um, I can't have a drink. You know, that's what his, his, his brain is, his mind is telling him that doesn't make sense. Um, but, but why not sit healthily at the table, you know, that he immediately switches from that self-knowledge, which avails us nothing, to that self-will, which just says, well, why can't I just sit there? Why can't I just sit? Why can't I just soak it up? You know, I might be able to have a couple of drinks. I mean, he, he kind of, like, argues with himself back and forth. I mean, that's his own self-will trying to break through. 
Hello, you have reached 865-397-7689. We can't take you. Somebody went out of it. Oh, that's okay. I don't, it's no problem. Leslie, uh, start one to unmute. We're not hearing you. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Okay, thank you. Um, anyway, so fear, fear grips him, and that's, to me, that's the third part. You know, it's like he's got this back and forth, this tennis ball going back and forth in his brain, and then all of a sudden the pain brings him back to reality, you know, the pain of what he went through remembering and that's why it's so important for me to remember what I was like because my brain my mind will will lie to me my my disease will lie to me and tell me I can I can have a couple of pieces of that I can have a couple of slices of that what's the big deal right and so but the pain of what I was like for me before brings brings me back it snaps me back into reality and that's that's what happened I think to Bill W right here and then he knew he was on thin ice and so Again, it, it, he moves from that snapping back to reality to taking action. It says with a shiver, he turned away. He turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. He took an action. He made a choice. And I think that his step work up until that point enabled him to be able to make that choice. You know, that spiritual experience that he had enabled him to make that choice. And then... And then it also says music and gay chatter still flows from to him from the bar. You know, it's it's important for me to also remember that yeah, life goes on. I mean, just, you know, thank you so much, and and with that, I pass. Thank you, Leslie W. And um, we only have a couple of minutes, so I'm not sure. Well, Deborah, could you you know got Deborah and Renee? So Deborah, Hi. you're up. Thank you. Hi, this is Deborah M from Pennsylvania. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. Because I rarely talk. I'm one of those silent people, and I have to jump in this morning because this paragraph is so important to me because I've had a chance to stand on this very spot, to walk in the lobby of the Mayflower Hotel. It wasn't, it's not called that now. But to me, this is where kind of like a corny Hollywood movie, the, the clouds part and the you know, shaft of light comes down, and this is God's presence, that this is what we do, and I've been hearing that all morning as uh, we make that decision to take action. But when I had a chance to visit this, I was walking back and forth, like, where would the bar have been? You know, where would the phone have been? Just going back and forth, because with a shiver, he turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. And I thought, what if he didn't? And he turned and walked toward the attractive bar with music and gay chatter. You know, would we be here? And that is the call that I feel every day in my recovery I need to do. And I always say, God, please direct my thinking. Because if it's going toward food thoughts, I always say it's like Jaws music. You know, that boom, 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 boom. And I have to just either drop to my knees where I am or or just scream, God, please help me and direct my thinking, then I make a phone call. That has been so much a part of the the structure of my recovery and the hope and um, the spirituality is to turn, just to make that turn toward uh, recovery. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah M. 
And I'm sorry we have come to the end of our time here this morning. I'm sorry, Renee. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Sarah W., can you read for us, please, a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you for your service, Monica. This is Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.